Yes, yes, yes. You have tuned in to Renewed My Revolution podcast with your host, Michelle Cook Hall. Today's podcast is brought to you by Faith versus Fear, Breaking Family Ties, which can be found and available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon.com. This podcast is designed with you in mind to remind you that you can always click that reset button and start all over again. It's never too late to be great. So now I want you to sit back. I want you to relax. I want you to clear your mind, take in that deep breath, prepare yourself for change as we listen in on a new mind revolution podcast with your host, Michelle Cook-Hall. Let's go. Welcome to Renew My Revolution podcast with your host, Michelle Kakal. As always, it is my honor and my pleasure to be able to come and assist you, share some tips and tools with you to make you a better you. Well, for love month, we have, I would think, an expert. <laughs> we have a very special guest. Her name is Heather Leah. Heather Lear is a businesswoman, but not only that, she is a new author of the book titled, Is He Mr. Right or Mr. Right Now? Consciously Create Your Own Love Story. Now, let me tell you what is significant about Heather Leah. She's going to tell you everything about herself. But what stood, stood, stood out to me the most, nine proposals. And why is that significant? Because People can go through their, their whole life and not get proposed to once, twice, even three times. But she has nine proposals. So she has this journey about relationships that she wants to share with us today. I know my listeners need to hear this. We have a lot of people who have a lot of questions about relationships and connecting with the right person that's going to thrust you to the, the better you versus pull you down to a place that you don't need to be and you don't want to be. Heather, welcome to this show, Renewed Mind Revolution Podcast. It is my honor and my pleasure to have you. Please introduce yourself further to my listeners today. Michelle, this is a pure joy to meet you. Your energy is absolutely fabulous. Your top is vibrant. And, and I'm sure all of your listeners feel that energy all the time. I really was attracted, and I'm using the word attraction for a reason, right? Okay. Um, to the fact that you want to click that reset button, right? That you can always start again. Yes. And this is a place where every single day we have the opportunity to start again with our own love story. Yes. And so, yes, I've been on this journey. Yes. And this journey started with what I would consider to be unconsciously creating my love relationships. So many of us have been wooed by Disney. Mm -hmm. Many of us have gone, you know, to sleep watching Hallmark movies, mm -hmm. right? Or mm -hmm. reading romance novels. And they've all in one way or another programmed us to expect certain things, to approach relationships in, in ways that maybe societal norms would project on us or our partners to be a certain way in relationships. And one of the things I always say is it's your love story. It's nobody else's, right? But sometimes we're too busy trying to please other people um, in those relationships, right? That pleasing component. So very early in my uh, relationship journey, that's exactly what I was doing. I was doing that kind of, you know, oh, if I just do this, I'll be good enough, right? Yeah. Um, what I've learned though, and that's why I use the word attraction. Yeah. And the reason why I have had nine marriage proposals is there's nothing more attractive yeah. than an individual who is in love with their own life. Okay. Okay. So just think about that. When you're in love with your own life, right? Mm -hmm. What are the components of you? 
you you have a lot of energy, you have a lot of passion. There's a lot of vibrancy in your energy, right? When you're right. with other people, you're happy. Yeah. You're, you know, love just exudes from you when you're in love with your own life because your cup is pretty full. Mm-hmm. So, so for me, when I watched those times across my life and I, and I could see when I was really enjoying the journey of my own life and making sure that my cup was full so I could be loving towards other people versus being judgmental, mm-hmm. um, those were the times when I could see where people, they're more attracted to you when you're more in a space of love inside of your own self. Okay, so you're saying... Um, <clears throat> you attract more people based upon like the energy that you have and that you give, right? And absolutely, and I guess it's almost saying this. Most people have said that when they're not looking for anybody and they're contented, right? All of a sudden, people start coming out of everywhere trying to, you know, form some type of relationship with them. Versus times when they were just like trying to find someone and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm sad, I'm lonely, I, I need somebody, you know, then no one comes, right? You you are 100% correct, spot on. <laughs> I get that, I get that. And also something that you said, unconsciously creating your own love story. And I, I'm, I'm going to tell you this, I remember saying this, um, not too long ago, that um, when it comes to love, sometimes we pour into an individual um, something that we want, we create this scenario that they never were able to give in the first place. You know, like we'll go on with a relationship for a long period of time thinking, oh, this is great, this is fabulous, but in actuality, we actually created something that we wanted and we kind of poured into this person and and we will overlook these flags right because mm-hmm. in our mind we, we we've created this this whole little fantasy world sort of like what you're saying that doesn't even exist but we want it so bad you are so spot on again such wisdom <laughs> <laughs> i love it you know one of the pictures that you'll see inside of the book, I had an illustrator create this ring with the um, with the nine individual uh, men that I'm actually talking about. So my book is actually a it's a nonfiction, so it's true. Okay. It is is creative self development relationship book. Okay. So. I'm actually talking very creatively about the essence of all of these men who have been so, you know, I'm just going to say part of my soul's journey. They've been part of my love story. Okay. And because each one of them has caused me to grow, to think differently, to learn how to unconditionally love people in new ways. Um, how to forgive not only them, but maybe to forgive myself for bringing, you know, um, like you were saying, Michelle, you know, a lot of times, and I I don't want to just pick on women, but a lot of times as women, we do generate a lot of the relationship and we don't allow that equal partnership or give that equal partnership a chance, or we're too busy generating it. So we don't even notice Right. That the person over here is not generating it, not right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And so we're not really consciously aware, hey, this partnership really isn't a partnership. This really isn't very even. Yeah. Um, one of the relationships here. So I've given all these men wonderful names. So I, like I have names. this. I love these names, Heather. I looked at these names and I, I was just saying, please talk about Mr. Rebound, Mr. Knight, Shining Armor, Mr. Childlike, Mr. Drama King, Mr. False Witness. I mean, this is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will. I'm going to talk about Mr. Childlike because okay. this this really focuses on and I'm going to focus it on me. But I think some of your listeners might resonate with this a little bit. Okay. Um, 
in the beginning of that of that chapter, I'm actually talking about a situation where I've planned Mr. Childlike's birthday party. Okay. okay. So, you know, we have relationships and, you know, those birthdays come around. And so sometimes you, you know, plan your partner's birthday party, right? Well, I planned this birthday party at Dave and Buster's. Have you ever heard of Dave and Buster's? Yeah. Yep. It's like an adult playground, right? So anyways, you know, I planned all the food, you know, so ordered everything and then then gave everybody tickets to go play all the games. And then, you know, then afterwards, people are, you know, having dessert and then everybody goes to leave. Mm -hmm. Well, Mr. Childlike's best friend was standing there with his wife and their daughter. Mm -hmm. And she's she's like four or five years old. She tugs on my pants and she goes, are you Mr. Childlike's mommy? Now, she didn't say Mr. Childlike. She said his name, and I'm not going to give his name away, right? And I looked at her, and I went, oh, my gosh, I've been busted at Dave and Buster's, right? <laughs> so, so what happened in that exchange was out of the mouths of babes, yeah. this small child could see, right, in her own way. I was being the mommy, right, and handling all these things. And this person was not really, you know, there really wasn't a lot there. And it, it, it was the universe calling to me or somebody reminding me, hey, you're you're being more parental than you yeah. are being a partner. She saw the dynamics because she, I did. Yeah, she had the child has parents and she knows what the parents do for her. So mm -hmm. she saw that dynamic between you and him, which is really <laughs> crazy <laughs> but somebody's it's, so young to notice that yeah very insightful yeah and and that was a that was a real light bulb moment for me because I had to really look inside at myself right what work do I need to do to bring forth myself as a partner not a parent yeah yeah do mm -hmm. you think do you think that um that happens because the individual is is allowing that to happen, want that to happen, or is it because of you or me who who you know initiate that? Because I would think that if an individual this in this this guy, if if he if, if there wasn't something going on with him, he would be more resistant to that type of behavior from you. You know, mm -hmm. he would, he would, he would nip it in the bud, but because he didn't, that means there was something going on with him because you would hear a man or a woman in a relationship saying, I'm not your child, right? I'm an adult, exactly. right? So if, if they're not noticing that and feeling uncomfortable with that, then it, it must be something that was going on with him. Well, there, and then there's the, it takes two to tango, right? Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah, that yeah. dynamic. So I really had to look at my point of attraction. Why was I attracting somebody who, like you pointed out, Michelle, was not standing up and saying, hey, look, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I agree with you 100%. And I had to look and see, okay, why do I have this dynamic going on in my relationship, right? Yeah. And so to have, so then, right, once you can see those kinds of things when you're doing your own work, then you're looking over here and then have a conversation inside of the relationship that says, all right, how do we become or are we willing, both of us, to be equal partners, yes or no? Or do you want to be taken care of financially? Are you looking to be taken care of with regard to somebody managing all these things so you can go do what it is you want to do, right? right. So then there's some truth telling that that uh, could, could happen, right? If we both were partners and mature enough to bring that kind of a conversation to the relationship, I just had to recognize my own part in it and why was I attracting somebody who wasn't speaking up and wasn't willing to be that strong match yeah. in the relationship. Yeah. I, okay. Now prior to this interview, I had some questions that I was pondering in my mind. So one question um, is, I know for me, I've been married for 
it'd be 26 years in March. And dealing with one relationship, is it could be exhausting. It, it could take a lot out of you to give that much of yourself to a person. So I'm thinking nine relationships, <laughs> how much, <laughs> how much did you, how much did you have left, Heather? <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking, <laughs> I'm just so, thinking like the connection that you're making with these individuals. And we're not just talking about meeting people, dating people, getting to know people. We're talking about getting to a point where you're thinking about spending the rest of your life with them. So you've gotten to a point that just, you know, just dating won't, won't take you. You've invested, you put something in there together. So how much of yourself were you giving? And, and, and was that exhausting to do that? I, I love your question. Okay, it is good. a fabulous question, Michelle. And I'm really glad you were thinking it. Okay. So, the, so yes, I've had nine marriage proposals. Yeah. Notice, notice one thing. I did not accept all of them. Okay. 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 <laughs> so, so we'll start there, right? Okay. I did not accept all of these proposals. And I really started this by saying there's nothing more attractive than a woman who's in love with her own life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because I've constantly been expanding myself and constantly learning and being engaged in my own life, mm -hmm. that has been what I would say men have been attracted to. Okay. So sometimes I see it. And, and so let me talk about, let me talk about Mr. Drama King. Ooh, okay. Let me talk about, let me talk about Mr. Drama King for a minute. Cause this is a perfect example. Okay. We, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time together. We had met um, and, and, and it was a very short period of time. And mm -hmm. next thing I know, he is down on his knee proposing in the middle of a courtyard, right? In front of my friends after, after a, um, after an event. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so you're like, okay, wasn't, you know, I'd like, I was not expecting that we never talked about it. Right. This was a, and I talk about love bombing yeah. when there's these big outward, you know, expressions of, you know, <laughs> big, big shows. Right, right. Um, and you're like, okay, who is this for? Right. 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 Um, you know, and, and then being able to have a conversation, I mean, you know, think about that though. You know, I wonder how many people actually propose and what's the real reason behind it? Yeah. Are they really in love with that person yeah. or they think they found that person? Have they really spent a season with them or, you know, a whole year where they've been through multiple seasons, right? Yeah. To really get to know them. And that's why the title of my book, Is He Mr. Right mm -hmm. or Mr. Right Now? Right. Because with Mr. Drama King, it was lovely dating him. He was a lot of fun. And he was only Mr. Right Now. Because after I spent more time with him, I was like, okay, nope, there's this sign. Okay, Heather, get smarter, ask questions, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at the end of every chapter in my book, I make a list of questions for the reader, right? To be able to explore or have questions to ask who they might be dating. So that way they can tease out more information so they can better determine themselves if this is a Mr. Right or just a Mr. Right now. So also, I would think that one of the questions would be, what do they think marriage is? And what are they expecting from the marriage with you? What what was they, like you said, their true intentions? Um, because, you know, people have, you know, met someone and, you know, said they fell in love at first sight and got married and married for years. You know, I don't know too many stories personally, but I've definitely heard of that happening. Um, but I, I guess the question would be, you know, what what do you expect, you know, from a marriage? What does marriage mean to you? You know, what right. are you comparing it to? What are you comparing mm -hmm. it to? Some people mm -hmm. compare it to their own parents or 
somebody that, that they've seen or like you said, something that they've saw TV, you know, what are you comparing it to for you? Because one thing I have learned uh, after being married for so long is that there is not a playbook for marriage. Every marriage is different. And if I compare my marriage to other people's marriage, I would think something was wrong with my marriage. Because because we're different individual people, our marriages won't look the same. What I would tolerate, someone else wouldn't tolerate. What me and my husband enjoy doing, someone else would not enjoy doing. So every relationship and every marriage is just different. I think the secret is, one of the secrets is the person that you get to that place with, figuring out what does it mean to you. Once again, you're spot on. <laughs> Remember, we had talked about a little bit earlier in the conversation. It's your love story. Yeah. It's not anybody else's. Exactly. And so yeah. when you do compare your relationship to somebody else's, and you've probably heard the saying, comparison is the thief of joy. Is it not? Come on. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Comparison <laughs> is the thief of joy. So if anybody is out there comparing, the first thing we ought to do is, is encourage them to stop, right? Yes. The only one they want to compare themselves to is themselves. Yeah. What brings you joy? What's the best thing for your love story, for your relationship, for, for, for what's going to make sure, you know, what's the relationship that's going to have you feel self-actualized in that relationship and your partner self-actualized in that relationship, right? Where two people can come together and support each other in being the best of who each one of them wants to be yeah. and, and to be together. Yeah. Um, one of the other things you pointed to was your parents' marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love this. I was talking to a young lady who was 29 years old and she was sharing with me how horrible her twenties were and everybody she dated. It was just painful. She just didn't know how to do this relationship thing. And, you know, and, and if there's anything I could encourage young people to do, it would be to use your twenties for yourself to explore who you are and what you want and where you want to go and what you want to do. Um, because they're still trying to replicate their parents' marriage. And in her case, that's, that's exactly what she was trying to do. Not everybody's trying to do that, but this, in her example, this is what she was trying to do. Mm -hmm. And, and she said her parents had this wonderful marriage but yet she couldn't quote unquote, get it right. You know? And I just said there, you know, just because your parents had a good marriage doesn't mean it's genetic, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Good marriage, a good parent's marriage is not genetic. Don't pass but, that down. <laughs> exactly. But look how many people just in their own thinking, my parents got divorced. So, you know, you, you know, they're afraid to get in a relationship because their parents got divorced. Right. So yes. the reverse is true. Yes. And, and so there's one of the things that's in, in another thing that's in my book, there's a tool where I've created a timeline where you're literally looking at the major influencers in your love story. So who are the, yes. So Right. So I have literally listed. And for me, my major influencers were my grandmother, my mother and my father. Okay. And so I write out what the main things they contributed to me. Okay. As far as the way I related to other people. And once I got my hands on that little steering wheel, mm -hmm. I was able to consciously make new choices in my life that were no longer run. And I'm using that in quotes again, right? By my family. Yeah. So there's those family influencers where you hear them on your shoulder. Oh, you should do it this way. Oh, you should, right. You should yeah, behave right. like this. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 no. That was your generation. That was your choice. I have, and I am right. My point of power Mm -hmm. is identifying my automatics so that I can choose my new attention and my new intention. Wow. Is that, 
That's good, Heather. Right? So, yeah. what, right. It's so, it's so impactful, your, what, your, your upbringing and people that you watch. They affect so much. You could be 60, 70 years old and still impacted by your upbringing. People, I think they underestimate that. Go ahead, continue. I think they underestimate that, though, how yeah. powerful yeah. your upbringing is. In, in one of the chapters, the chapter's called The Music Man. And at the end of it, I have a process where you can make peace with and, and make peace with any painful relationships you may have had that are influencing you. Make peace with it. Make, make, make peace with them. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you know, and I, and I can be much more specific about this. My, 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 my father and his siblings there were seven of them. They were all, they were all um, men and their relationships were less than, less than stellar. Okay. So one of um, two of them, you know, had, had extramarital affairs um, and it, it just, there's a list, right? Mm -hmm. So when my parents divorced, and other things that went on with the relationship with my father, there was just a lot of pain that was paid forward that would that could definitely influence me and my ability to have a solid relationship with a partner, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And so it was like, all right, am I going to continue to perpetuate a negative conversation about men? Because if I continue to perpetuate a negative conversation about men, then how am I ever going to have a solid foundation with a relationship that I want? Right. Absolutely. Like how, how can you, you know, that's just, it's a Rocky, it's a Rocky foundation. Right? right. So I had to be able to see that relationship differently. Yeah. And that's, what's wonderful. Right. I loved it again. Click that reset button, start again. So I have a process for resetting that decision, resetting that opinion, resetting that thinking about yeah. that relationship, you know? So I went back and looked at all the wonderful things that my father contributed to my personality mm -hmm. and the things that make me successful in business. And I was able to rewrite my story and rewrite my point of power in relationship with men that wasn't there before. So I, I talk about that in, in one of the chapters of the book, you know, how do you make, and I said, make peace, but I'm really rewriting that point of power because I didn't, I identified that automatic, you know, that automatic, it's so easy to fall into conversations where you see people bashing, you know, talking negatively about their wives or talking negatively about their husbands or, yeah. you know, and that's, that's not going to get you the love story you want, yeah. you, you know? And words have power. Words have power. So as as you're staying, you know, in an environment where you're talking negative about someone that you're with or listening to other people do that on a regular basis, it literally will travel with you. If if, if you're in a relationship, it's going to travel with you to that person. Like you're literally going to start seeing them different, feel about them different, respond to them different because words have power. And so the more that you're speaking about that, you're going to respond and act upon it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. This is good stuff, Heather. And yeah. I, I kind of like how you um, were saying in so many words, sometimes we will project onto a person, you know, based upon our past relationships, based upon our relationships with, with our family members or what we've seen, um, the hesitation to get into relationship. All these things are so true and so valid. And I and I I'm I'm a firm believer on getting to the core of an issue, and I see that's exactly what you had to do. You saw that there was a pattern and something was wrong, so you you know you reset the healing process. Was the first step was getting to that core. Where did this come from? Why am I doing this? Why am I attracting the wrong people? You know, um, what happened? And it takes so much strength. I talk about that a lot on the podcast. How much strength it takes to travel the healing journey. It takes so much strength to do that. 
because you're faced with parts of yourself that you probably don't want to see. Right? You have to you have to come to terms with some things about you that you might exactly. not be so proud of, right? But yeah. in order for you to get to the place that you need to be to get that healing that you need, you have to propose the tough questions to yourself, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It starts, with us. It starts with us. Go ahead. Go ahead. It, it, no, it absolutely does begin with us. Yeah. And um, and I, you know, I really enjoy working with people who who want to have a deep love, right? Yeah. They want to have that deep love. And it's like, okay, what why is it elusive? Right? Why why is it elusive? What is it about about me? And they're willing to look here, right? Yeah. That is not allowing me to have the kind of relationship that I would like. Right. Yeah. And um, it, it's interesting because they, they, they do make it look easy in the movies. They do okay. make it look easy. It's, it's not realistic. Like it is, if you measure towards that bar, <laughs> you're going to be disappointed all the time. It's just like th this special person come out of nowhere you know, they have all the right qualities that you need, sweep you off their feet, and they live like this ideal life that it just doesn't happen because we're flawed people. Yeah. We're flawed people. So we're mm -hmm. not going to have this perfect, you know, scenario because we are flawed. So, yeah, watching anything and comparing it, it's like setting yourself up for hurt, setting yourself up for pain. And I, I, you know, I've, I've had a lot of um, friends and family members who have struggled with trying to find, you know, this compatible person. And it is a, it's a journey um, to see that. But one of the things that I also notice is when you um, have an individual that you're pouring into and you're loving on and you realize that they love you or care for you, but not in the way or not to the point or level that you feel like you deserve. Like it's something missing. It's something uh -huh. missing. And a lot of times, even in those moments, um, people compromise. Well, they're doing the best that they can. They're loving me the only way that they know how. And the, the question I propose is, you know, is that enough though? Is it enough? Like really, like, is that enough? If you if you can recognize there's a void and there's something missing, then then you have to question if that's enough. They might be a, a good person, a nice person, or whatever. But if if we're living with just like a half a tank of gas, you know, and trying to get a long distance, we're not gonna make it, right? Right. So what will you say to someone? who, you know, are coming because you have this experience with these crazy type of personalities. I love the titles, but you've met so many different type of people. And, you know, so, so someone come to you and they say, well, I care about them, they care about me. But what I'm recognizing is that they're not loving me, the number one, the way that I love them. And I know that, right? You Like they say, I know that. They're not loving me the way that I love them, but what they're giving me, I know it's all that they have. Is that is that compatible? Is that enough? Or should I, you know, do what's in the best interest of myself and 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 move on and look for someone else? I I this is a really good, I'm just gonna say a, a deep exploration and it's going to be different for different people, right? Just Absolutely. like you said, you know, it and and that's why I said it's your love story, right? Yeah. So some of the questions I know, and, and I've worked with many women who have, they could not live with themselves if they did not try everything before they decided to part ways, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 so there's, that's one of the things I've noticed uh, for the women that I've worked with, well, not just women, but men too, um, that they wanted to make sure they gave the relationship every opportunity. Yeah. So in some cases, there's been some conversations about 
how do I ask for what I need? So sometimes people will give and give expecting that their partner is just going to match that. And then they're disappointed because their partner does not. Right. 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 Or they give and give. And like you said, they, they make excuses and reasons why their partner can't do better. Right. Okay. <laughs> now the tough conversation could be, and, and I don't even know that it's tough. It's risky. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's risky, right? Cause you're risking your heart. Mm-hmm. You're sitting down with your partner and you're saying, you know, here's the things that I see that I'm contributing in this relationship. And here's what my heart and, and my value, right? Here's the things I would like to see from you. Are you, are you willing, right? Are you, are you willing to do these things for me? And, and that's an uncomfortable conversation for some people, some people, right? Because they don't want to risk having that person say, I can't. Because what happens then when that partner says, I can't, now the individual sometimes will turn it inward and say, I'm not lovable or I'm not worth loving, which is not the truth. That is not the truth. But people will go down that negative road, right? And they'll turn it inwards and make it mean something about them. Yeah. When really this person's just the other person just is not willing to do the work or they're choosing not to. Yeah. So, and I don't want to oversimplify that conversation because there can be a lot of dynamics going on on the other person's side. They might be dealing with their own mental well being for all I know. Right. Yeah. But all I can do is work with the willing. And so when those individuals are looking at their relationship, the reason why they're looking at it is because right now it's not enough, right? right? Mm -hmm. Their heart's growing, they're reaching for something else, and their partner a lot of times doesn't want to go on that journey. So I've had several women, well, and a couple guys, (laughs) they have made the choice to have that conversation with their partner. And when their partner's not willing, then the next conversation they have is, is then how do we leave each other in love and support each other on what we're going to do next on our journeys? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I know that's not an easy conversation, but I've watched many people navigate that very well. Yeah. I think the struggle for um, <clears throat> most individuals in these cases would be what I start off saying is that when they've created this scenario that they want so bad, you know, and to, and, and to have to say, you know, I don't have that anymore. Like you said, they begin to blame themselves and say, what have I done wrong? You know, am I enough? Why, why can't they love me this way? You know, they begin to question their, you know, their ability, you know, to, to be loved because this individual, you know, can't provide that love and it becomes so uh, chaotic, you know, and hurtful. It it, it can be. There's also another approach that, that I've watched some people, you know, as we've had conversations, some of the approaches that they have taken is they have chosen, they have chosen, (laughs) let me get that straight. (laughs) I have also advised and talked with different individuals to just choose themselves. So your partner may not be able to choose you, Mm -hmm. but if you decide to give a little bit less in that direction towards your partner, Mm -hmm. and if you choose to love yourself and fill your own cup up, right, then what they give you or what you see they need to give you is going to diminish because you're going to fill your own cup up and you have complete control over that person, right? You have the ability to choose you and you can lessen your choice of choosing them over you. Okay. Because that's not a healthy partnership either. Yeah. Yeah right? To keep choosing to love them more than you love yourself. Yeah. That can put you in a danger zone. You don't want to be in. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good, Heather. That is so true. Um, so many times that, like you say, it's men and women, but I can only speak from a, women, a woman's perspective. Women, for sure, are often putting everybody before ourselves. <laughs> exactly. So, in in chapter eleven in the in the book, right? Is he Mr. Right or Mr. Right now? Consciously create your love story. Yes. Um, I talk about book. heart. That's a big book. Let me see that again. Let's see that again. Wow. I love the cover. I love the cover. I love it. Yes. That's good. Okay. It's only it's only 200 pages. Okay. Go ahead. Love it. <laughs> um it's um in chapter eleven, I talk about heartbreak. Mm -hmm. And what I'm really talking about is giving your own heart a break. Giving your own heart break. Okay, what does that yes. mean? Yes. So I, I made a joke about it. Hold on, I'm gonna turn to the, I'm gonna turn to that chapter real quick because you'll get a kick out of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> um let's see here. My my friends and I did not spend time. So this is back when I was younger, right? My friends and I did not spend a lot of time consciously thinking or talking about self-love. Mm -hmm. I don't remember ever taking the time to become more self-aware by deliberately exploring my personality traits or what I liked or did not like. I don't remember dedicating time to consciously consider just me without taking a child, my job, a man or another family member into consideration or considering societal or other people's opinions. Yes. You're going to love this, Michelle. Okay. Okay. Like dry January or sober October, mm -hmm. I needed a program like March Without Men or Self Love September <laughs> or Dating Myself December. I decided that instead of the 12 days of Christmas, I would commit to 12 months of sacred self-love. Wow. I love that. So I spent a whole year just going, okay, you know, what would I like to learn? What would I like to, you know, I talked about self-care and self-maintenance, you know, just the basics, the basic things to focus on. How can I just one, one thing at a day, right? One thing at a day. Let me just get my dentist appointment, you know, just like, how do you start to just really create a program to love yourself on every level, whether it's physical or with your vehicle or, you know, yeah. feeding your mind, your soul, your body, yeah. your spirit. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, Heather, one thing that I, I noticed, um, generations before this generation that is here now, Self-love was not something that we were drawn to or even taught. You are so right. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that was something you just did not say. That sounded selfish to self-love, right? It just was not a, a good thing and, and it wasn't pushed. It was not pushed. It was not taught. So now you get the generation now where we're hearing it so much because it's so important, but it takes a readjustment for those who were raised in a generation where we didn't hear that, weren't taught that, it was not pushed, it was not an agenda. It takes for us to kind of undo all of the teaching that we had before to make it seem like, you know, self-love was a bad thing or selfish thing. How dare you? You know, you got, like you said, you're thinking about kids, your job, <laughs> how how is your self-love going to affect everybody else? You know, and that's, it's, it's so, so sad, but it's so true. I can definitely relate to that. The, the coming to terms with understanding that if I don't take care of me, I have nothing to give to anybody else. That's just a fact. It's just a fact. It's just, if I pour, pour, pour and never take time to reset and regather myself and love myself, take care of myself by any means, then I have nothing to give to those that I care about or, or my responsibilities or anything else. I have nothing to give. So I think bringing that up, that point is so important that self-love is something that we hear all the time now, but several years ago, 
Self-love was not something that you heard. And I think that's why, you know, my generation and generations before me struggle with certain things because we have to fight against a lot of things that was taught to us, right? And that we right. you know, brought up on. We have to undo it, un untangle it. It's a lot of work, but it's it's yeah. helpful and it's necessary. It makes us better people. But you know, it's it is it takes a lot of work of undoing. Our parents and parents before us, they were not trying to create damage. They were just taught what they was taught and they passed it on to us. Right? Even with relationships, yep. just pass it on. So now we in this moment of almost enlightenment of going, wait a minute, something's wrong. <laughs> Something is wrong. Let's reevaluate this. Let's look at it from a different angle, a different perspective. What can we do? So self-love is not a bad thing. That means that you care about yourself. And 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 and, and my mother uh, makes this, you know, joke about the uh, on the airplane and how they teach you that you know you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself first, <laughs> and then yep. on the children. But even when even when it was said. My mind immediately went, how, how can I do that? Do that? <laughs> how can I do that? My kid is sitting there, I'm supposed to just put on my face. But realistically, if I faint or pass out, how can my kid be okay if they need me to put it on them? But we've been, we've just been trained differently. We've been taught differently. Yeah. And it takes a lot of work. And when someone like you come and help unravel something so important like relationships it's it's really important because mm -hmm. someone is struggling and they don't understand you know why am i having such a hard time you know why am i attracting the wrong people you know why are the these people coming to me are only this type you know like what am i doing what am i sending out a signal <laughs> you know, I, hear that so many, I hear that so many times what Am I putting out here that's drawing, you know, this type? Well, it is a hundred percent true. And it's not always a negative thing. It, re it really isn't. It's just an awareness, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, you know, here's my point of attraction right now. This is the type of individual I'm attracting in my circle. And so if you're conscious to what you're attracting, is this really what I would like? And then you start to look at your preferences. And so you start to refine, well, I like this about what I'm attracting, but I'm not so crazy about that. And so you start to, again, when you're consciously creating your love story, you start to adjust those preferences. And also, how do I up-level myself to be a match for that which I want to attract? Yeah. Yeah. And and so that's you that that's using the tools in in my book, right? To identify what you were just talking about, those generational conversations, right? Yeah. They were good at the time. Mm -hmm. There was context for those generational conversations, mm -hmm. and each generation has their own <laughs> you know, context and how they're actually taking it to a direction or another level that they're interested in. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's, it, it is very different. There are at least three to 4% more women every single year that are getting degrees in college than there are men. So if you look back at our parents, grandparents, it was very important for them to find somebody who made money Yeah, because they didn't, they either weren't in the job market or they weren't, you know, mm -hmm. um, they didn't have a degree. Mm -hmm. And so there was those kinds of, of, of challenges, right? Mm -hmm. But then as, as more women have been in the workforce and more women have, you know, they don't need somebody for their finances, yep. but yet look at that generational conversation. You need to find a man that has money, yes. right? Yes. Like it's like okay, that generational conversation doesn't have context anymore. Right. But you still see TV shows, you still see movies, you know, you still see things that have that old generational thinking. Yeah. Um, 
inside of them that that's a subtle programming mm-hmm. that is unconscious, right? And yeah. so how do we raise awareness to, oh, look, that's old thinking. We don't, you know, there's nothing on a man's birth certificate that says he owes you a living or that he right. owes you money, right? right? And the same is true for us, you know, um, for, for women, there's nothing on our birth certificate that says we owe you children or we owe you, you know, but there's a lot of generational conversations because I've talked to, you know, several women that have no intention of having children, but yet everybody says, well, when are you going to have them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that, that's what I mean by this. We need to raise our awareness and just bring more consciousness, right. To, um, the conversations we're having around relationships and family. I love it. I love, I love everything about uh, this conversation, uh, Heather. I really do because, you know, I'm always talking on my podcast about, you know, what we were taught and how that affects us now. And, and like you stated, you know, individuals coming to a person saying, when are you going to have a, you know, a child as if you're not a woman, if you don't have children. You know, and that does so much. I, and you know what? I really, I really hope we get to a point where people understand how powerful their words is and how much damage you can do to someone. Saying something like that to a person can do a lot of damage to them because now mm-hmm. they question, you know, like how much, you know, they feel about themselves now because now you put them in this box. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to be this way and that's, that's it. And it's very hurtful and it's very harmful. Yeah. And I'm yeah. glad we have in these type of conversations because I love ripping off, you know, all of the <laughs> the band-aids and the and exposing the truth and, and showing that look, we're more than that. Um, we have to grow, we have to change, we have to evolve. Um, what we did in the past does not mean it was the right thing to do. Conversations we had in the past. Does mean it does not mean it was the right conversations. It was just done. But once you know better, you're supposed to do better. And change is something that's very hard for people. But it is ne- it's the only thing that is consistent is change. So change is going to always is. be here. <laughs> uh, M- Michelle, let me ask you a couple questions. Okay. Um, so well, so what is it that society says about a woman who doesn't get married? She's what? Oh, like, uh, well, back in the day, they was like a, a, a handmaid, a maid or old maid or something like that. Right. Spinster old maid. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, and so there's that thinking that, you know, I, I literally last weekend was talking with a woman and, everywhere she goes with, with her community and stuff like that, they're just like, well, you know, they're trying to fix her up, but she's not asking anybody to fix her up on a date. Right. Right. She loves her life. She's a chemical engineer Mm -hmm. and she's, she's been single for eight years and she's, she's like, people treat her like she's not anybody because she doesn't have a relationship or a husband. And I'm like, you know, but it, so what do they say about men when they haven't married? They're what? Well, I've heard the word player and good for you. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a contradicting thing because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're telling a guy, oh, good for you. You're not, you know, with the ball and chain, you, you're free. You can do whatever you want to do, you know, good, good going. No one caught you and, 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 you know, tagged you down. Right. But with the woman, is is um well what's wrong with her right exactly and he's the what he's the eligible bachelor yeah. right yeah yeah he's the he's the great catch yeah so one one of the things i it's in chapter three i have a lot of statistics and one of the things over in in um our our asian countries they are talking about these women who are highly educated who don't want to get married Mm-hmm. And they're later in their years, they have named them the leftover woman. Oh my God. And I'm exactly. And I'm like, who decided that was the right name for, wow. for women that are choosing to focus on themselves in their twenties, establish their careers 
and decide what they want to do with their, their lives. Right. And, and then calling them a leftover woman. So I, I know we've um, digressed a little bit, but I, I really, I just, I, this is all about consciously creating our love stories. And one of the ways we're going to do it, Michelle, is you and I having conversations like this to raise awareness that just because a woman doesn't have a husband doesn't mean she's not fulfilled. Yeah. Doesn't mean she's less than, right? <laughs> she's probably very much powerfully choosing her life. That's right. And nothing's, and nothing's wrong with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and 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 where do we give give other women the freedom, right? You choose to marry, good for you. You choose not to marry, good for you. You choose to have right? Yeah. It's like <laughs> right. It, it's it, like you said, these conversations are important. Um, it just tears down the stereotypes, it's tear down, it tears down the ignorance of putting people in these uh, boxes and and limiting them. Women are not the same as they were. The opportunities are different for them now. So they're able to surpass, you know, a lot of limitations that people have, men in general have, have tried to put on, on a lot of women. And so, you know, to still use those type of words like leftover or overlooked and all, it's just, it's so primitive and it's so sad, but I am not surprised. I'm not surprised because um, like you said, even on our media, you still see little hints of that type of narrative that they're pushing regarding, you know, the, the, the woman in her role, you know, a woman in her role and how a man, um, you know, there are men to this day and I know for sure who believe that, you know, a woman, you know, she when she has a voice, not not pious, not arrogant, but just have a voice, she talks too much. <laughs> just the fact that she has an opinion, mm -hmm. she talks too much, you know? There are men that are still walking this earth that has that type of attitude and that, and that mentality. And it's and it's it's sad and it's and it's wrong. But you know, when we have these conversations. And we, you know, take back that power that we have to say, hey, I don't want to get married. Or, yes, I do want to get married, but I have a choice on the type of person that I want to come to me. You know, I don't I, I don't have to just choose anybody, you know, because they they have given me attention because they smile in my face and said the right words. Right. I don't have to because I'm, you know, 39 Right. I don't have to just jump right. on it because by you, you're not married at 40. Oh, my goodness. What's wrong with you? No, it's because I'm 39. Don't mean the first person that comes to me that I have to jump on, you know, that bandwagon. I have choices. And if I choose to wait to whatever time of my life, then that is OK. As long as I'm happy. Right. Right. As long as I'm happy with my choices, then that's that's all that matters. And I think that we could just push that more about how important it is for you to be happy, not comparing to anyone else's life, anyone else's relationship, anyone else's scenarios, just what works for you. It's okay. You know, if you never, if you chose, I never want to get married. I don't want to have kids. You know, society should not make you feel like, you know, that's a bad thing, whether you're a man or a woman. That's your choice. Yeah. That's your choice. So, you know, um, is there any last words that you want to, to share? I, your, your book is, um, it sounds awesome. Absolutely awesome. And I want my listeners to go. It is available on Amazon in ebook, paperback and audiobook. Do I have that right? You are 100% correct. Okay. And the name of the book is, Is He Mr. Right or Mr. Right Now? Consciously create your own love story or your love story. And that makes sense to me, uh, the word consciously, and I always say intentional, right? Those are very important words to me. Like you really have to make sure that you're doing that. Like it's just not happening to you or coming to you. You're consciously doing this for yourself. So that's really important. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners today? I would love to, and thanks for allowing me to close this with the renewed mind revolution. 
I really love the whole reset button, right? That you get to reset that button and start again on your thinking. So thinking equals actions equals results. And so the thinking you have about your relationships will also determine the actions you take and produce the results you have. So that's what we're trying to do is we're getting back to the thinking. What's our conscious thinking or what's our unconscious thinking that's running our love story? And every one of you deserves to have the love story of your life that you want, that you choose. It's your love story. Don't let anybody tell you different. (laughs) I love that. Thank you, Heather. Listen, this turned out way better than I ever could have ever, ever imagined. I love talking to you. I really, really do. I love that my listeners have had an opportunity to hear from you. Please support Heather Lear and her book. Um, the information, once again, is, is he Mr. Right or Mr. Right Now? Consciously, consciously Create Your Love Story is available on Amazon. It has been my honor and my pleasure, as always, to come on here, share some tips and some tools with you that I know, I know today for sure, has helped you to become a better you. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Heather, for being here. You have been listening to Renew My Revolution podcast. I love you, but most importantly, God loves you more. God bless.